0: Welcome back to School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined by Matthew Chandler. No guests this week, but we have a lot to talk about anyway, as Everton had two games since we last talked. Matthew, before we get started on anything, how you doing?
1: <laughs> Just kind of numb to everything that's happened all this last week. So, yeah. Supporting Everton for 15 years or whatever it does to you. Um, but yeah, lots to talk about, but not particularly anything, I guess, new to talk about.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. not not exactly anything new to talk about. Just kind of the same old, same old as it is. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. it feels None like every, way, really. every time things go start to go well, it's it cracks. It cracks. Which is, you know, I guess, I guess that's what we're what we were born to live with. Um, Let's get into the first game where we get too depressed. Um, Everton-Southampton. Uh, obviously, the, the first game, this was played back on Thursday, I believe. Um, Everton-Southampton mm-hmm. tied 1-1. There were only two changes to the starting lineup. Uh, Mina obviously in for the injured Holgate, as well as Gordon in for Sigurdsson. Um, let's start with, I guess, the good. How fortunate were Everton in this one, Matthew? Uh,
1: I think Everton's answer to that is very, because, um, you know, Salampton scored uh, after about half an hour of which time. Danny Ings had already hit the post. Um, Obviously had the penalty, which, you know, has been uh, sort of ruled by VAR since to have not been a penalty, but... Uh, you could tell it was coming even before James Will Prowse missed that penalty and um, Charles' equaliser on half-time is probably the most undeserved equaliser I think I've seen for a while even by Everton's depressingly low standards um, I mean Southampton, I watched Salampton a bit tonight against, uh, United, against United and you know, we're level on points for Samson, but they just look such a more organised, well-drilled, and that's not a slight to Ancelotti, because he hasn't got his own players in yet, but they just look like they're in such a better direction than us, and they they should be really disappointed that they didn't wrap this up before before they even scored. To be honest, I mean they should have been well, two or three. They should have been two or three up even before they went one nil up, let alone before Charles and equalised. Um, I mean, it's a disabled thing, isn't it? I mean, we should get Over around the midfield, they prey on our weaknesses. Uh, the only difference to this game is that we kind of got out of jail a bit with a point that we didn't deserve.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I didn't get to see much of the game. Uh, I was, I was doing something, but from the highlights I've seen, everything I've seen, it's you know, it, it looked like Everton were definitely. Um, on the lower end of the chances, it looked like Southampton. They had a ton of really good chances from what I saw. And I, you know, like you said, I mean, I didn't watch the game, but, you know, just from watching the highlights, I feel like I was surprised that the scoreline ended up the way it was Um, because it didn't look like Everton was really threatening that much. Um, And, you know, I guess that's a foreshadowing of what was to come on Sunday, which we'll talk about in a little bit but um but it definitely looked like Southampton was the better side and and they have been you know we have won a few games we've tied um other than other than the loss recently um you know it, i guess points wise we've been pretty good but like you said it just southampton for i think since the restart has been more organized and and better than us not only in this game but but in other games as well um and I think that showed, I think that showed it in this match, but, uh, you mentioned VAR Matthew, uh, obviously it's, it in it rared its head twice in this, uh, match in, in big moments. Obviously the first one being the one you mentioned, the James Ward Prowse penalty, um, which was later ruled not to be a penalty, even though VAR said it was, uh, during the game and the Bednarik, uh, challenge on Rich Charleston that got, uh, him a yellow card. Um, I mean, yeah. Tell me what your opinions are. I mean, live watching these, and tell me if they differed live to you know, say twenty four hours after the match.
1: Yeah, well, I think um, my initial reaction of the penalty was that it was a penalty. I thought it was um, because I thought Gomez just looked like he kind of stuck a lazy leg out and just caught Stuart Armstrong uh, on on the uh, second. Viewing of it um, does look as though Armstrong is already falling before Gomez. There is con—I think there is contact, but I think Armstrong's already going to ground before Gomez uh, touches him. Um, and then, of course, the shove—I can't remember what player it was—was was the shove of Anthony Gordon later in the first half. Which uh, I mean, you might say that's not a penalty, but I feel like you set a precedent by giving the first penalty. So if you're going to give Samson theirs, Evan, you know, Evans is more of a penalty than Samson one. Um and then of course you have the uh, second half you have the foul on Richardson by uh, Bednarek, which you know, when he threw on goal, which is either I don't know how he can get you got a yellow card for it, um but I don't know how it's a kind of a weird middle ground to give a yellow card, I think, because I some people say Bednarik gets the ball and he might do. But if he if he gets the ball, then it's a good tackle. So there's no punishment or no, uh, no free kick to give there. If it's a foul, he's, Charles' is last man is in on goal. And it's not one of them where he's going away from goal or it's not a clear goal-scoring opportunity. He's right bearing down on goal in front of our uh, other Samson goalkeeper. Or um if he fouls him, it's a red card. So... I think maybe straws here saying I didn't get certain decisions uh, because it it masks pretty awful Evan performance Uh, but again it's just the inconsistency and I saw a great start that said (laughs) Evan have had more penalties given against them that VAR has then said it was the wrong decision this season than they have given actual penalties in their (laughs) favour I
0: mean, his, it wouldn't I mean, surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. Feels no. like the entire. Well, there season was the there was the
1: him. the one at Brighton where uh, Michael Keane stood on uh, what's it called Connolly for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then this one on Thursday, which thankfully Ward-Prowse missed anyway in the ball.
0: Yeah, and um, I, I said I said Ward-Prowse was the one foul, but you you corrected it. Uh, Armstrong actually won. Yeah, yeah. prowse took the penalty. I just got that mixed up. Wanted to correct that. Um, but yeah, I mean. I, again, didn't see them real time, saw the penalty afterwards. And, you know, in hindsight, uh, it definitely looked like it was not a penalty. looked like he was falling down before, uh, I guess it was Gomez got to him. So, uh, you know, obviously I think VAR got that wrong. And and it ended up not affecting us. And the Premier League came out or the VAR came out and, and said that it was the wrong call. So in the end, I guess, you know, it didn't really matter that much. But the Benderick challenge, you said it, uh, you hit the nail on the head. It, it, it's either a red card or it's a no card, no foul at all. You know, it's, mm-hmm. there's no in between there. You know, he gets the ball. And honestly, if they didn't give any foul at all, I would have been okay with that. Um, you know, obviously in real time, if I was watching it, I probably wouldn't have felt the same way. But when you watch the replay, he does get, and you slow it down, he does get the ball. So if they gave no foul there, I would have been okay with that. But again, if they gave a red card, I wouldn't be okay with that too. I just feel like yellows, like, I don't really know which way to go. And I don't want to take this guy out of the game. So I'm going to give him a yellow for taking down this guy. And, um, you know, he gets to continue. It's like, you don't know what the decision is. So you just go with the middle decision. That's really not the right answer at all. Um, So I think, you know, that was handled poorly. But, uh, we, saw
1: the exact, we saw the exact same thing with Gavinson uh, Sanchez on the Charleston in uh, I think November. Yeah. Same end of the pitch, same scenario. Charleston's in on goal, he gets taken out. I think Sanchez got a yellow. Uh, he might even go without anything. And I, while I don't think I don't think Charlson is a diver or goes to ground particularly easily, as some people like to make out do feel like rightly or wrongly, he's kind of got this reputation from outside the Everton bubble, maybe among like the referees for being this kind of player who goes to ground easily. So I don't know whether that went sort of went against, stood against him here, um, but it shouldn't do because a he doesn't go to ground easily, and b like I said, it's either a foul and then a red card, yeah, or a good tackle and no card. So it shouldn't make any what kind of play are
0: Yeah, and I think that Richarlson kind of, like you said, unfairly gets that diving thing. Because he does dive, but I feel like he doesn't do as much as some other players in the league do. Um, I feel like he has like dived
1: yeah, dive before. But
0: yeah. He's not. But he's not, you know, he's not diving on every play and he's not, you know, doing so yeah. much that it's, you know, it, you're starting to worry whether it's actually a foul or not every time he does it. I I feel like most of the times he gets fouled, he genuinely gets fouled. But a part that may not play into his favor is that a lot of times when he gets fouled, he has attitude, he has a bad, you know you know, yeah. it's not exactly the nicest to the refs, I'm sure. Yeah. So but it doesn't Same like with
1: Grealish or, you know, Zahar players like this who have a reputation for being fouled and yet have set a sort of simultaneous reputation for diving and Actually when they are fouled, you sort of into your mind as to whether they actually have been or whether they've just died. So um Again, but I don't think is a diver, but yeah. for some reason he seems to have that reputation, yeah. but you know also the thing is you know the, the problem I don't think is you know the referees that we keep having who are so, so i mean this was Lee Mason who we got a lot of times before and has been similarly subpar a lot of times before but The problem is with the guys who you know allocating Premier League games and so keep him on the roster for Premier League games. You know, it's not his fault that he can't do his job well enough. It's people who keep giving him the, the opportunities to referee Premier League games.
0: Yeah, I, but I mean, I think also, in, in fairness, it's not just him. I think that, no, yeah. you know, I think that there's a lot of them and I think that it doesn't help, but it's also a question of, you know, I mean, I don't know, are there referees out there that would do a significantly better, maybe than him, a significantly better job, but, you know i feel like with you know when it comes to human error there's always going to be human you know decisions i feel like there's always going to be some aspect of human error in 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 um, you know refereeing and var is meant to take that out um, and it really and at least from our perspective has not done a great job of that and i'm sure from many other perspectives uh, they would uh, many other teams would feel the same way um there was a tactical change at halftime by Carlo Ancelotti. Um what do you think? Did it, kind of it didn't work?
1: Yeah, it kind of well um in a in a way, yeah. I think you know good three at the back. Because we we we're being overrun so badly with this with the four four two by Samson that I think you changed something. Um Kind of moved Seamus Coleman more to centre back, in and in a back three with uh, Mina and Keane, who, as we know, are kind of you know in isolation good defenders, but kind of struggle as a partnership because of their lack of pace. Um, and I think the introduction of Sidibe, uh made a bit of a difference. He kind of drove Evan forward. I think his delivery is certainly better than Coleman's. Um, I mean, Everton there was there wasn't a great shape, I don't think, to Everton certainly going forward. Um and obviously it didn't help us get get the three points. But um I was kinda of, I was kinda of pleased that Ancelotti recognised that the four war two, however successful it's been for us so far, didn't didn't stick to it when he could see it clearly wasn't working in the first half. Um even if it ended up the same result as as what it was at half time, I think. But as you see in you know, we stuck with that for Wolves yesterday and uh it was a pretty much a car crash was starts for Phil a to later.
0: Yeah, no, um yeah, are you I mean I again I didn't I didn't watch it but I you know I, one of the things that Pete says in his um in his stats in his five telling stats that he writes every week or every after every game um amongst other things he talks about the change in formation. Uh he says it's a 352 and and I think you're right Matthew it was nice to see that um, he, and he talks about it a little bit. He, it's nice to see that Ancelotti, despite loving the four-four-two 2 so much, went away from it um, when it wasn't working, which I feel like in the past there have been, we've had, you know, we've had managers who haven't done that. They've stuck to their plan no matter what was happening, and in the end that's, you know, hurt us um, significantly. Um, any, you know uh, – <laughs> Any standouts? Any terrible performers that you know you you would like to point out? Um, anybody in specific that that stood out to you as as being good, being bad, either way?
1: I thought um, that Anthony Gordon had another good game. Kind of, um, I don't know. I mean, we haven't seen a, like bags of end product from Gordon, but I just like the way he always has his head open, and looks to drive Everton forward. So many Everton passes, you know, go backwards or sideways. Gordon seems to be one of the few players who seems to actually, you know, want to get the ball forward. Uh, I thought Charles took his goal well. Uh, I thought Lucas Dean's cross for Richarlison's score was fantastic and something we hadn't really seen enough of from Dean this season. Uh, apart from that, no, I thought everyone else was pretty, ter- pretty much terrible, to be honest. Um, but again, it's the same problems we have every time: with a midfield that is non-existent and passive, and got overrun. Um, you know, we had Alex Woodbe out wide again, who just proved he's not a winger. Um, so you know, it's kind of it's kind of hard to keep regurgitating the same points because we all know we knew ages ago that Everton had no midfield, and Alex Woodbe wasn't a winger, and that you know Yerry Mina and Michael Keane were not great centre-back pairing. Um, but it, this is this is the hand Ancelotti like, got, I guess, for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, and, and in fairness to the the keen and Mina pairing, you know, there wasn't, you know, it's not like Ancelotti can do anything. Well,
1: no, Hallgate was injured, wasn't he? So Yeah. Um, I mean, the only one I would maybe single out more than anyone from the Southampton game is Andre Gumes, um who just said to me again that he's just... Um, He's either still not fully recovered from the injury or he's just absolutely cooked from playing as many games as he has in such a quick amount of time. I mean, nobody looked more out of out, out of that game than he did. I mean, something just swarmed all over him. Obviously, he gave away the penalty, which you could say you know, wasn't his fault because it wasn't a penalty in hindsight. But he, more than anyone else, just needs a massive rest, I think. And I worry about Gomez because... He's, he's had the three months off. He's come back, still not looking ready. He's has to play a lot of football in a, in a very quick amount of time. The season's going to end and then the next season will start six, seven weeks later. So I don't really see where he's going to get the time to recover properly from. And also the fact that he just looks like he's playing within himself because of the injury, which we've seen before with players like uh, I mean Brian Oviedo is kind of the obvious example, had that terrible injury, came back um kind of played within himself a bit looked scared to of you know aggravating his injury. I get the same impression from Gomez and I don't know whether it's just because he's playing in the midfield two rather than midfield three last year when he was so much more effective. Or he's just still feeling the effect of the injury or he's just played too much football. But I do I do genuinely worry that he's not ever maybe gonna be the player that he was last year or that we signed him hoping he'd be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly worry, and I'm I'm sure you're not the only Everton fan thinking that. Um he hasn't been good and there's really not many since the restart I don't think there's any game that you can point out where he has been particularly, you know, has played particularly well. Um and that's a that's a problem.
1: I mean, I think I think he has a problem with the pace of the league. Yeah. Because even before Lock, even before his injury, you know he wasn't he wasn't massively slow, but he wasn't someone you think is you know blessed with pace or anything like that. And I think he, I wouldn't say he got away with it, but I think he was helped a lot last year by having um, a much more productive Sig- Sigurdsson in front of him and Adrisa Gay next to him, who would do all the dirty work and could run around, you know, with a lot with you know more um, more pace about him and more sort of just sort of nip at people win the ball back get the attacks going so not only does you not have Gay, yeah, he doesn't have anyone to do that job next to him now and obviously Sigurdsson has progressed so much that um, it's hard to see what he offers it's hard to see what Tom Davies offers I mean I wrote after this game about giving Benny Beningame a go and it's not because I think Beningame is kind of the long term answer for Everton It's just that he is currently the closest thing we've got to a player like Gay because he's the only defensive-minded midfielder we've got who's fifth. And I think Gomez or Sigurdsson or Davies or whoever else plays alongside him would benefit so much more by having someone like him uh, partnering them than, say, Sigurdsson and Davies or Gomez and Davies or Gomez and Sigurdsson, none of which have shown any signs of working as a partnership, I don't think.
0: No, yeah. I I mean, maybe, you know, obviously Ghana, a great ball winner, um, quick presses. You know, maybe he just benefited from the fact that I feel like at times last year we were playing a lot quicker. And he was maybe able to slow things down himself. And it kind of, you know, maybe that helped attack a little bit. And maybe that's why he looked a little bit better. But he hasn't looked good since the restart. Hasn't looked great at all during the season, um, even before the injury um so certainly yeah, yeah. worry certainly worry there um you know obviously ancelotti had his post match comments uh just a few of them here to read them off matthew you know you can give your opinion on, on on his response i guess you could say uh at first he said the performance of the referees was like my team or the referee was like my team not so good the performance was not good in the first half much better in the second half and we were more in control Uh, It was a fantastic goal from Richarlison, but we were lucky. We didn't deserve to be drawing. Not as speeding as we'll see in a few minutes, but still good that he was getting in the players a little bit, I think.
1: Yeah. uh, I don't know if he's going overboard a bit by saying it was much better in the second half. It was better, but I I don't remember Southampton really being tested hugely. Maybe it's just because the game was four days ago and it's kind of faded a bit, but yeah. Um, can't. Southampton certainly ended that game as a better team and looked more likely to, to win it uh, by the last 20 minutes I think it's a kind of game as well where um, there's been a lot of people talking about whether they think going to St Park can be a negative atmosphere for players you know, we see the way that people like Tom Davies can get a lot of grief from the standards at times I think this was a game where I think Evan really missed Goodison Park, and actually it proved up what a what a force for good the Goodison crown could be. Because I don't think, especially that first half, I don't think a full stadium would have would have uh, accepted watching Evan play like that. And I think with the, you know with the with the fans behind them, I think would have seen them you know giving more of a go in the second half as well. Um, so you know, but it's kind of a spots or maybes isn't it? the fact, as Evan didn't play well enough to win that game. Um, and they've probably got more than they deserve.
0: Fair, very fair. Mm-hmm. I, and, you know, I, I agree with that from what I've seen. Um, and you mentioned, obviously, a Goodison crowd not being happy with the performance on Thursday. The 3,000-some-odd fans that would have traveled to the Mall now on Sunday would have probably left before halftime, as I wanted to do, while I was sitting on my couch watching this game, unfortunately. So, unfortunately, we have to go over this. Obviously, Wolves, three, Everton, nil. There were two changes from Ancelotti. Baines was in for Coleman, Walcott for Owobi. Uh Ancelotti switched to a back three with Din- uh, with Dean at a, at center back. Um, were we <laughs> any better with the, with the 4-4-2? Uh, or any better than the 4-4-2, I should say? Um did it did it work I mean, I think this is a pretty obvious answer, but <laughs> go ahead. I should ahead.
1: say yeah. So um it was my birthday on Saturday. So I ended up watching. I spent most of this game in a pretty bad hangover as well. Earth. Um, which was not a good combination. <laughs> everton and hangovers. Um yeah, don't drink the night before an Everton Game. is what I've learned from this. Drink during
0: the Everton game so you can forget the everton
1: exactly, game. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that was an oversight on my part. Uh, if only I'd been born a day later. <laughs> um, yeah, start White made the back three. Um, again, the only thing I would say is Luca Dean didn't play as a centre-back in the Samson second half um, like he did against Wolves. Whether it's just rotation, because obviously that was Coleman. Coleman dropped out. Coleman's played I think, every game. Um Certainly, we put bringing Walcott and Falak away. We didn't do anything. Theo Walcott basically played as a right wing back, but kind of retreated to a right back. Just didn't get any joy out of Wolves at all. I didn't think. Um, and we just got again. We just got swarmed by a better team. And like you know, the Wolves took nearly forty-five minutes to to go ahead. But even even was watching us at nil-nil, it looked to me like even the players thought they were just waiting to be beaten there. Yeah. But there was no, a part, again, apart from Gordon, who really was the only one who got his head off. They're so ambitionless, they were so sort of passive and, and meek and just sort of accepting of the inevitability of it all. And, you know, I just, I just found it a really pathetic um, sort of surrender almost. Although I did see someone, I did a piece, a piece ended on this game, someone commented saying, Surrender implies that Everton sort of – calling it a surrender from Everton implies that, you know, Everton at least gave it a go at first and then gave it up, whereas Everton didn't even do that. which just capitulated. No,
0: yeah, no, no. There, was, there was no – really, there was no effort. And I, and I think that was made pretty clear in the post-match comments, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But I think in this game, more than any game that we've seen since the restart and maybe any game that we've seen this season – and definitely i think any game since ancelotti started um the midfield was just abysmal you couldn't get anything through the midfield the passing was terrible um it, it was it, there was there was just nothing it felt like every time the midfield touched the ball we were losing the ball and it just felt like we were not attempting to press attempting to put any effort in it was it was really really honestly tough to watch and 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 you know i think we say that a lot about a lot of games. But when you compare some of the games that we say that about to this game, those games were significantly easier to watch than this one was, I think. This one was – it was yeah. – you know, I, I think it's the worst performance since Ancelotti took over for sure. Worst performance of the season?
1: <laughs> there's, there's a lot of contenders, aren't
0: there? Yeah. Well, the 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 end of the Silva era. era yeah. Was.
1: I mean the Chelsea game. The Chelsea game in the was pretty awful as well. Yeah. But maybe I I thought Evan would give this more of a go because just basically the fact that although Wolves are in the top six, they're not a so-called like big six team. So I didn't think we'd have that sort of mental fragility that we had, say, at Tottenham the week before or at Chelsea or Anfield. Um, but we just looked like we were beaten from the moment it kicked off. Um, and yeah, I'm just looking at. I'm, I did the five tone starts for this game because obviously Pete's away this week. Yeah. Um, and just two of them that stuck out for me were Everton. Everton made 127 backwards passes uh, yesterday, and only completed 48 out of 80 forward passes. Meanwhile, uh, Calvert-Lewin and Charlson had two shots between them. And um, you say about the midfield. Uh, Guilfi Sigerton who we've probably talked about to death by this point but it's worth highlighting Uh <laughs> he made two passes to Jordan Pickford who if you don't know is Evans goalkeeper and uh, made two made two passes as well to Dominic Calvert-Lewin who's Everton's striker and one to Richarlison who's also a striker so I mean if that doesn't tell you about you know just how tame Everton were and how how tame Sigurdsson was, then, you know, just read that and weep, I guess.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. And it makes – I literally said this during the game. We were just going backwards all the time. It didn't even look like the midfield was even thinking about coming forward. They were attempting to bring the ball forward. It looked like every time they touched the ball, they were just looking sideways or backwards. And, and that's a huge problem. You know, your midfield—you need somebody who's going to take the ball forward, grab the ball, and look towards to attack. And and it felt like too often during that game, we did not look to attack. And and you feel bad for Richarlison and and Calvert Lewin because they can't do anything about it. And and it you know it doesn't look good on yeah. them. They're not scoring any goals, but it's not their fault that they're not scoring any goals. They can't get the ball into them because we don't bring the ball up the middle of the field. We go out the, on the outside the entire time, and every single team that we play and have played for probably the past four years knows that. There's just no – it's very predictable, and there's yeah. no creativity. And it's
1: yeah. – Yeah, and I mean, smart team, like sub- savvy, well-drilled teams, like well real we'll, teams like Wolves will suss that out and, and expose you for that as well, won't they? Yeah. Um and Evan weren't prepared for that. Um I mean yeah. I mean Sigurdsson got a lot of grief again yesterday on sort of social media and things like that. I'm kind of at the point where I'm kind of bored of talking about Sigurdsson now because he's yeah. kind of regurgitated it. But in um, his,
0: in his defence he does get I mean, granted, I mean, his price tag obviously doesn't help, but
1: But no, but that's not. not, I mean, I'm not defending Sigurdsson for one second because I thought absolutely pathetic yesterday. But
0: but he's also not the only one. No, he's not. No, and and he gets more, more significantly more slack than I think the other Everton midfielders get. I mean, Tom uh, Davies is, you know,
1: Tom Davies. Tom Davies gets a lot. To be fair, I don't know if he gets as much as Sigurdsson, but he does get a lot. But then, does he deserve it? it? Because he's been he was awful as well again. Yeah. Um. I just think that, that Davies
0: is still at the point. Well, maybe not now anymore, but at times before he was, you know, at the point where we just like, Oh, we need to play Tom Davies. He's, you know, this, that, and the other thing. I think a lot of Everton fans believe there was something there and now maybe they don't, but Sigurdsson, it's felt like for the past, like three years, he's just been getting bombarded And, and granted he's, you know, he's had his good games and, and, he has, but he he certainly had his bad games as well, and and he's deserved a lot of the slack. But I feel like more so than most other, the thing, if not all other Everton midfielders. I think, yeah,
1: back. maybe maybe his price tag does good before, him, but I think, you know, I look at him and I think, you know, he's thirty one in September. He probably wishes, um, you know, I don't know, I don't know if Iceland did Iceland qualify for the Euros. I think they did. So, uh, okay. he, he, probably, he certainly didn't plan to be playing in Wolverhampton in the middle of July, you know. He had to be, he yeah, had to, so either go into Euros or Iceland or we probably had a you know a holiday book somewhere pot. with his family. In
0: Euros Iceland, they were.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you know he'd obviously much rather be there than, than here. And you know what, fair enough. You know, and he's not gonna get a better a better um sort of a higher standing than he is now because once he leaves Everton he's not going to play any higher. He shouldn't really be playing this at this high level anymore anyway. But I just I think what's his motivation? You know, he's not going to get any better. He's on the decline. He's got a nice cushy salary for I think two more years. Um. So, I mean, in a way I think can you can you kind of can you blame Sigurdsson for phoning it in really? I mean,
0: I mean I, it's I mean, he's but so over the hill at kind this of point. point kind of, are, how,
1: much, how much lower can he – how much better or worse can he get? You know, he's kind of just stuck in this. And he can't uh, run, so it's kind of a massive problem when you're a midfielder.
0: I know, and I get that. But at the same time, you know, I know the team around him isn't that great. But still, at some point, you know, you, there's still that mentality that, oh, I want to go out. I want to, yeah, win, yeah, yeah. I want to take my team to at least a European spot, you know there should be some of that he's it's not like he's 37 and singing his swan song you know I, he's still I mean I don't know from what you see maybe he doesn't have a couple more years left but i, I he, he should maybe against around a different midfield he's better I don't know but I feel like there should still be some sort of motivation I mean soccer is, is one of the or football is one of the, the the few sports that you know like obviously the playoffs are motivation but you know, football is one of the, the few sports where you get into a a big competition for finishing in 6th or 7th place. So, you know, it's... I feel like there should still be some, you know, drive there to succeed. Yeah. I mean, maybe not now, like, maybe not in the middle no. of the summer, but... It, you but know. that's the
1: worst thing. It just looks like he's completely lost yeah. all of that. And he's just kind of going through the motion. I mean, there was one point yesterday where... It looked as it looked like he was pointing. Michael Keane had the ball and it looked like he was pointing it at uh, another of his teammates. Well, I said to Michael Keane, well, yeah. don't pass to me, pass to him. Yeah.
0: There's
1: another point where we talked about Gary Neville last week on Sky. Jamie Carragher is obviously, you know, die-hard red now. He um, was on commentary yesterday and even he sounded annoyed at <laughs> He's at the point where he sort of them shouting at him to get forward or, you know, move forward and just I think when when a player can infuriate people who aren't Evertonians by any stretch that much. But it's not just sort of looking through Royal Blue tinted glasses that, you know, we have the problem with Sigurdsson. It's... If people outside the Everton bubble can can spot it, then I think that should tell Ancelotti everything he needs to know. But then again, who el- what else can he do apart from play Ingemar, maybe. Yeah, so. yeah,
0: I, I think that's definitely another point of this argument is who would you play over Sigurdsson that we've had on the team in the past few years? That well, would I mean, you'd be-
1: have to play. You have to play at least one of him and Davies because Gilmer is injured. Yeah, and would you would you rather see tired? Yeah, Gabamin's injured. Delph's injured. But but
0: even even over the past couple of years, is is yeah. there a midfielder that you would have rather played over Sigurdsson at any point? What like, is, is there like over? The, what I'm saying is like like we talk about him, like you know, but not being good enough and not being good enough for the the team and whatnot. And you know, maybe here and there he should get benched. But who were you going over the past couple of years? Who were you going to bench him for? You know. I think that's also. I mean, they, they, there's not been many options, and that's kind of a, yeah. uh, a, 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 a. I'm not sure exactly what the right word is right now. I can't think of it, but oh, an indictment. That's kind of an indictment on the board for not,
1: yeah, you
0: know, searching mm-hmm. for somebody who can be at least a young replacement yeah. for him. And 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 granted, I think a lot of it is the fact that maybe they thought Kieran Dowell would come up and be a good a good prospect, but still it's it's well i would say about
1: yeah i mean i would just say um i mean maybe it's easy to say this in hindsight yeah i didn't want Sigurdsson when we i did not want him when we bought him because i thought 45 50 million is a ridiculous amount of money to pay for a fellow who was 28 who played in a position where we already had wayne rooney davy class I mean, even Ross Barkley was still on the books then, even though he didn't play for us again after that. He's still there, still a chance maybe that he could have kept. Um Sigurdsson as well, I don't think fitted the way we wanted to play at all. Um, I never thought he really looks like an Everton player the way he plays. And also, we never really played to his strengths. You know, he was great at Swansea because he had Fernando Lorenzo as a target man. Uh, Ronald Koeman wanted Olivier Giroud didn't get him. There's no one else to sort of uh, deputise in that role. Even last season when he scored, I think, 14 goals, I, I kind of felt that he kind of meandered through a lot of games. Um, certainly in, in the winter, I had that rubbish spill. Um, there's a lot of times when I just thought he didn't add anything and he's kind of caught between two stools of, of helping them to field out and supporting the attack. Um, but yeah, I mean, Everton are stuck with him now because yeah. they they gave a massive contract. To a player who's now past his best, and who no one is—I can't, no one I can imagine—really want for the wages he's going to command. So I can't see us getting rid of him because to get rid of players, you have to find takers, and I can't imagine Sigurdsson's going to attract any takers. You know, the deal that we've got ourselves into with Sigurdsson is not Sigurdsson's fault, and like you said, it's, a, it's kind of an indictment of the, of the horrendous. Um, Sort of the transfer strategy we've had for the last few years. I'm not. I'm not making an excuse for Sigurdsson because, like I said, I thought he was horrific yesterday again. Yeah. But you know, um, the problem is not so much dropping Sigurdsson especially now when there's no one really else to play. but The problem is how you're going to get rid of him and how are you how are you going to, um, I guess, cut ties with this massive contract you gave to a player who i mean, we probably shouldn't
0: have. Yeah, no, uh, you know, the Sigurdsson, you know, it's, it's a difficult situation. Selling him is, is, is obviously a difficult situation. But I've had enough talking about Sigurdsson. I think it's time we talk about somebody else I don't like talking about either, and I don't think you do either, Matthew. Um, Pickford, again, another situation where, you know, uh, it didn't cost us, but goal goalkeeping um followed by poor attitude i guess you could say hmm. your opinions
1: can i ask you what yours is first What's yeah no
0: to? i um so here's my thing on pickford i was never really on the i don't like pickford train yeah you know? i was always on like okay like like I feel like a lot of people at the very beginning, maybe I, I I felt like it was it was unwarranted at the very beginning. I felt like he had been a good goalkeeper and he had done a good job. You know, I I felt like he was a you know had the talent to be a very good goalkeeper. But recently, you know, seeing not only the mistakes, but the and I, I'm never really. It's one of those things where. If your attitude is bad, but you're still, or your attitude is wacky or crazy, but you're still performing at the highest level, I can deal with that. But he's not doing that anymore. And he's being lackadaisical, seems like he doesn't care a lot. And then it's followed up by the antics after, you know, mistakes that could have cost Everton goals, did cost Everton goals. It's, you know, you can only take so much.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I I agree with a lot of what you said. I think um, Is picked for a terrible goalkeeper. No, is he a great goalkeeper? No. What I'm leaving more is the fact that he just doesn't seem to. I don't think and he doesn't seem to kind of want to strive to be a better goalkeeper. He's quite comfortable with just being. I mean, I call him just just all right in what I wrote about him, and I feel like that's kind of what Pepe is. He's just all right. He, has the, he makes the odd great save. He has his fair share of good games, but I just think his mentality is like, lacking. And also, there's nothing, you know. It is just character and, and concentration. His mind just seems to wander through games. I mean, that, the, the shot from Daniel Podden's yesterday where he let it spill through his hands and then catches it just before it goes over the line. If he's fully switched on, he doesn't do that. And I, ca- I can't imagine Nick Pope... You know, he's watched Nick Pope against Liverpool the day before. You can't imagine him doing the same thing. No, yeah. yeah. Watch how switched on Dean Henderson is and how fired up Dean Henderson is to try and win games to Sheffield United. Yeah, and I think you it's. Guys don't do this, and I don't see. I struggle to see any sign of change in Pickford because we haven't. There's no evidence to suggest he will change. And yeah. and the fact that he kind of laughs mistakes off, I get that people can make a bigger deal of that than it is, but it just seems to me that it's kind of. It just smacks of unprofessionalism to me, and it just smacks of a fellow who's not really taking it seriously enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I absolutely agree with that. And, and, you know, goalkeepers have mistakes. Goalkeepers make the occasional mistake. But it feels like it's been non-occasional recently.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Like it's been far too often than, than other goalkeepers. Um, and, you know, I think it's fair to say, and, and you can give me your opinion on this, I think it's fair to say that maybe the World Cup performance tainted our view of him in the wrong direction. He had a fantastic World Cup, and I think coming off a pretty good season for Everton the year before, people were very high on him, and they believed he could be a fantastic goalkeeper. And maybe that also got in his head a little bit. He is not exactly the type of person that doesn't look like he – he doesn't strike me as a you know, laid-back, very doesn't-want-to-be-in-the-spotlight kind of guy. I would imagine that maybe it got to his ego a little bit. Being that good and that that renowned over over the World Cup, and I think that probably plays into how we view him now, because we saw how good he was, and maybe that was just a, you know, a a fluke or you know, a you know, a once in a blue moon moment when we thought it was more than that.
1: I don't know if it's a fluke or it kind of tainted it because that was off the back of what was a really good season for Pickford Yeah, yeah. Um, in what was otherwise a terrible season for Everton with uh, Allardyce and Cumin. But um, I just think, I don't know, maybe you know, the attention he got at the World Cup has kind of inflated his ego a bit. Um, I do get the impression, I think I said this before, but it strikes me as someone who would rather do well for England and cares more about playing for England than playing for Everton and putting things with us, which... It's not an attitude I particularly like, um, but uh, and also the thing I would say is I again I watch guys like Pope um, and Henderson just because they're English, so I'm using them as examples. But you could really say anyone. Alice in Liverpool. is the obvious other example in the Premier League. These guys make it so easy for the defenders to do their job because they don't give them anything to worry about behind them. I, when you watch Pickford, I, I kind of feel sorry for Michael Keane and Mina and you know I mean Mason Holgate sometimes. Because I just think he must be a nightmare to play behind because he must give you no sort of confidence that if you make a mistake, he'll get you out of jail. Um, and is he a, he's not having his biggest problem because that's obviously, um, you know, central midfield will need a lot more attention than in, in goal. But I do I think there's a problem with Pickford. Um, which I'm not sure he himself is going to be able to solve, um, and I certainly think he has struggled with lack of competition. Um, in terms of Martin Stecklenburg hasn't really ever looked like you know a, a viable number one. Jar um, Virginia, you know, probably isn't ready. But even even still, just like you're saying about Sigurdsson, you're in like professional pride and you're. Your sort of determination to just keep improving and driving yourself forward—I don't get that from Pickford. He just seems to be in a very comfortable place for himself. And I think yeah. maybe these last three games would be maybe a good time to give someone like Virginia a go because there's nothing really to lose. The season's over. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: You know, and we won't, we won't, also we won't, we won't learn anything really from sticking with Pickford for these last few games no. because we already know enough about what kind of goalkeeper he is. We don't know a lot about Virginia and how going in a Premier League game, or, or you know, even playing Stecklenburg, you know. Virginia would be the obvious one because he's a younger goalkeeper and more of a prospect.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's probably a good idea to play most of the kids. Yeah, we're going to figure out what they have until you play them. And it, it, like you said, the season's over. There's not. We're not. You know, we're not. There's nothing to play for anymore. You know, Without, we had that opportunity. It's blown now. Rest those guys because it is going to be a short off season, like we mentioned before. Just let the kids play, see what they have, and then go into the transfer market and hope Carlo Ancelotti and Marcel Brands can figure it out. Um, you
1: should you should never let a player get into a position where he feels like he can make as many mistakes as he can, and he still won't lose his place in the team. Yeah, and no. I think that's kind of where Pickford sees himself. Yeah. Um, I agree. And it shouldn't matter how how strong the competition is. If you're not playing well enough, you should be drawn. And especially now, it feels like the opportune moment to give a chance to Virginia in games where there's not really a lot riding on it. Um, and then take it from there in the summer.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I'm not going to ask you about worst performers because that's probably everybody on the pitch. But any standouts in this? Anybody that was particularly above average.
1: <laughs> I thought Dean I, thought, I don't know about above average, but I thought again Dean was okay. And yeah, like I said, Gordon was kind of the only fellow tried to push us forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, just on Calvert Lewin and Charleston I do agree with you you said before about what can they do. They didn't you know, they don't get any service. And it does feel a lot of the time like the only the only constant source of supply for them is from our left back which is kind of, again, a damning indictment of the midfield. I do wonder whether sometimes they could do more to kind of get in the game, maybe dropping a bit deeper and kind of... But yeah, they work so well as a partnership that maybe you don't want to... Well, one. You don't want to sort of... uh, What am I looking for? Sort of increase the the distance between them. You want to keep them close close together enough to feed off each other. I don't know.
0: One of the things I, I think... Specifically about maybe Dom, maybe Richarlison and Dominic Dominic, Dominic Calvert Lewin, but specifically about Calvert Lewin, I wonder. You know, you assume the teams not playing in front of fans, the press becomes less, um, I guess, vigorous. Um, in some senses, and, and I wonder if Calvert Lewin is maybe not benefiting from the fact that the press isn't you know you're not you, you're not the press isn't coming as hard and and there's no fans to egg you on and he mm. i think benefits a lot from of his play from pressing and getting forward and and you know you know he can't do it all by himself obviously he may be pressing at points during the game but there's no juice to motivate the other people to keep going especially in that 70th minute or whatnot
1: yeah i mean there's no there's no midfield press at all at the moment is there so yeah um it is a kind of a thankless task in that respect Yeah, and I mean, calvert Lewin, especially—he hasn't scored since the restart. But don't think anyone say it's for lack of effort, or you know, he's down tools. He still works as hard as he has the whole time. he's played for Everton. It's just again a sad state of affairs on midfield, which is which is hampering him and obviously denying the opportunities to just tally as well.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 dire. It's not great, and I think that. That was made pretty clear by Ancelotti and Coleman in their post-game comments. So before we move on to the preview of the next game, let's just read through a couple of them, and then Matthew, just give me some quick comments. Um, This is Ancelotti after the loss. It was a really frustrating day and performance. There are some excuses, but I don't want to have excuses. The performance was not acceptable. The spirit of the team was unacceptable. I spoke to the players, and we have to prepare and work differently and have a different attitude. I don't want to talk individually about every single player. Um, I said to them, this attitude is not acceptable for me, and we have to change immediately. I want to see a different spirit. If I have to be honest, in some games, the spirit was really good. Liverpool, Norwich, Leicester, it's difficult to accept for this reason because this team has a fighting spirit. And then Seamus Coleman um, said the performance was shocking really, really bad, and added this. There are no hiding places. They were better all over the pitch. We need to ask serious questions of ourselves. We can all play badly, misplaced passes and crosses, but the attitude and desire weren't there, and we got beat by the better team. We need to have a good, hard look at ourselves. Maybe we're not where we think we are. As individuals and as a club, we need to be expecting better. That won't be good enough for this manager, and it's certainly not good enough for this football club. Scathing. Yeah, probably. What you know? I mean, you know, it's at times we've probably heard this a few times before, but still, something, especially from Ancelotti, that I don't mind hearing after a terrible, terrible match that was this past Sunday.
1: Yeah, and I think it probably tells you something that um, tells you how annoyed Ancelotti was, because, uh, like I said before, he has been—he's been pretty, uh, pretty measured, both in his praise and his criticism. I think so far. Whereas he didn't really seem to hold back this time, um, and he, you know, he, he was justified in doing so because everything but absolutely abject. Um, but I, I don't blame him for not wanting to single out players because I don't see the point in doing that. Just you know, if you're going to do that, do it in private. You don't need to, to do that in public, um, particularly. But I mean, yeah. Again, as I said, it's hard. It's hard to know. What he would have learned about Everton, other than just how weak they are mentally, just how how uh, how open they are in midfield. But I mean, he's probably seen this already by now. And it just, I guess, hammers home the point that this this squad needs a lot of surgery and a lot of good coaching over the summer. Um, as for Coleman, I think I, I kind of take Coleman's comments with a pinch of salt because he has come out with similar sort of platitudes kind of a bit dreary but I'm not saying it's half-hearted I'm not saying Coleman doesn't care because I think he's one of the few players that genuinely does but you know proof be in the pudding I guess yeah if, if, there's, if there's an upturn in form in the last three games because there's Coleman's spark because of this then fair play to him but he has said things like this before and it's kind of fallen on deaf ears a bit so yeah I'm not saying it wasn't good of him to say, but I will say I just think you know we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's uh, we'll find out. I guess maybe this Thursday when the team takes on Aston Villa, uh, it'll be six PM British Standard Time, one PM on the East Coast here in America. The previous meeting between the two sides, Villa won two nothing. Just <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course they did. Yeah, of course, yeah what else is new. Everton have an easy schedule to begin a season for the first time ever, and they blow it. Um, last result, Aston Villa beat Crystal Palace 2-0. It was their first win since the restart. At the time of recording, which is July 13th, um, they sit in 19th place on 30 points after 35 games, and they are four points from safety. Uh, as I mentioned, the last game was a win and their first since the restart. Other than that, they have three, draw, or three losses and a draw in their last um, five matches. Any changes you'd like to see Ancelotti make? I know we've talked about a little bit, but specifically?
1: Yeah, I would give probably Virginia a go. I don't think he will. I think he probably will stick with Um Which, you know, I wouldn't be devastated about, but I just think, you know, why not? Um, I, I keep banging the drum about Beningami, but I think time at least gives a go. And, you know, Benigni and that might not be the answer. He probably isn't. Um, but he only has to play better than Ziggerton or Davies for three games that he's done his job, which is not a very high bar. Um, and not, you know, a lot to ask.
0: And, and I, think, uh, I think, sorry, just to cut you off there, it's time we learn whether Benigami is the answer or not. You know, I feel like it's another situation with, with Dowell, maybe we, you know, it looks like we have this guy that's coming up, and nobody finds out so it's too late, and yeah. it's you know we got there's nothing to play for anymore, just yeah, play and a a,
1: yeah, and as a result, I mean, you say Dowell, the ship's kind of sailed for Dowell, now, hasn't it? Because he hasn't. Yeah. I mean, Dowell might not have been good enough, but that's just another example um, yeah. of you know.
0: Well, it's time we. I find don't. See, out I don't
1: now. see what Ancelotti can learn more by playing Sigerson and Davies in midfield yeah. again. Put it that way.
0: No, I agree. I agree.
1: Um, what else would I do? Um maybe give Sidib give a game because I think uh Coleman's played a lot of football without um without a break. Siderby I think is is uh first of all I don't think he's as bad a defender as people would make him out to be. I think he ha- he's had he's had some wretched games but he's also solid and, and put in a good side tackle on his day. Um, I think of the Chelsea game in December when he was my man of the match yeah uh, and his delivery is better than Coleman as well so mm-hmm. going forward I think he's uh, stronger than Seamus Coleman yeah. um, what else would I do uh, I'm trying to think what else could you do I mean, um, I, don't know. I, I mean I would definitely keep Anthony Gordon I think Anthony Gordon has to start yeah. every game now yeah, yeah, the rest right. of the season Um I can't see the point in even giving Bernard. I know Bernard's not been the biggest defender, but it just seems like, yeah, But it's, it's as good a time as you get to blood these kids. Um, maybe, I mean, Jared Bransway had a pretty harsh second half when he came on because he gave he gave a free kick away and then lost the man for the second goal yeah. in a minute. Yeah. But again, you know, if you think... The uh, the Michael mean of partnership is going to have trouble. Then no, why not? I'm not saying throw like put out a, kit, a team full of under 23s I just think you know what more what let's, more let's can s- we
0: test do we? the you guys know, that are a
1: today with a full with a team full of experienced players apart from Gordon?
0: Yeah, let's test yeah. the players who are young. Let's 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 see, let's see the guys that are on the brink there of that first. Yeah. Thing. You don't need like you said. You don't need to play a full under 23 but let's test those those on the brink of first team guys and see what we have. Um, what about
1: what about Moise Keane Would you play Keane?
0: I I I would. I I think you just I mean I keep being disappointed by Keane. I know I he doesn't do get too, a lot of but time. But I boost. feel like it's also I don't know. It's like at, at times I feel like maybe it's hard he gets it's hard for him to get into some of the games but also at the same point feels like every time he comes in game, he gets a foul within the first three minutes of the game of his time. It's like, like he just, sometimes he's just not thinking it feels like, but I, let's see what he has. Like, I mean, give one, I mean, we got to play what four more games over the next 12 days or something like that. Three more games over the next 12 days or something like that. Might as well give some of these guys a chance just to see what they have. I mean, and give Dominic Carvalu in and Charles... The worst thing that can happen is you don't give one of those guys a rest and they get injured because they're tired and, yeah. you know, something which,
1: goes which wrong. Is what, which is what I think Gomez is, is in massive danger of of, of of happening to him. Yeah. And I think even if he wasn't injured, I was, I was quite glad he was left out on the score yesterday. Yeah. yeah, Just to give him a breather. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: no, I totally agree.
1: I mean, Moise Keane, I don't think we can properly judge until he's had a run of games where he started.
0: Yeah, and exactly. He's not
1: really going to get that now because he's, there's only three games left. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think, like I said, Pickford isn't playing well enough to deserve to keep his place. Sigurdsson and Davies aren't, but then you can only really drop one of them. Yeah. Um. And then maybe, I don't know whether you drop... I mean, Lucas Dean's played well the last few games, but he's played so much football in a lot of, a short amount of time. Maybe give, give Leighton Baines a go. Um, I'm just looking at us on our bench yesterday. You see, I would happily give Alex, A. will be a game if it was at number 10, but then we don't play with the number 10. And he's not a winger, so... Yeah, um, yeah I would certainly ring the change anyway for this game.
0: Tim, I would agree. Um. Any? I mean, I guess it's all kind of null and void anyway, and doesn't really matter. <laughs> but is there any danger Villa will be up for this game uh, more than Everton, given that they, you know, actually do have something significant to play for? I mean, only four points from safety. A win here would be huge for them. I mean, I, I, I think so. I don't
1: know. What do you think? Be interesting to see how they approach it. Because they kind of have to go for the win, I would guess. Uh, whether yeah. that will—I mean, I watched a bit of them against Manchester United, uh, and obviously United are in great form at the moment. But they just looked absolutely hopeless um, defensively. Yeah, um, sixty-five goals conceded. Only Norwich have conceded more. Um, of course, they kept a clean sheet against Everton, though. So. Of course, of course. Um, but yeah, They'll whether whether. Yeah, whether whether that will, um, <laughs> yeah, but whether that if they have to go for it, whether that'll leave them more exposed at the back, yeah. more open, uh, we'll have to see. Um, but yeah. yeah, I certainly think one of the things they've got to be wary about is that if they phone it in against, uh, you know, our last three games: Villa, Sheffield United, Bournemouth. They're all three teams that have something to play for and could still have something to play for by the time Everton play them so if Everton phone it in like they did against Wolves okay none of those three teams are probably as good as Wolves um, but I, I think well, I think you're in danger of seeing a similar result because that extra motivation will just see Everton get beat um, so needs to be a reaction from Sunday um, and Aston Villa are certainly beatable. So if I haven't actually give it a go this time, instead of just turn, instead of just jacking in after straight after kick off, then um, I would probably fancy them for this game. But if they don't, it wouldn't surprise me to get beat because uh, I don't think anyone will be doubting Aston Villa will be up for this one.
0: Well, what is it? What's your prediction for this one?
1: I think. Mm. I, 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 I'm not an optimistic Evertonian, so I'm, I'm going to have to say one-one.
0: Uh, I thing. Is I am a terribly pessimistic Evertonian. I'm a terribly pessimistic person, so I would naturally assume that we're going to draw this game. Um, so yeah, one-one. It's not
1: just—it's not just the motivation though, as well though. It's just the fact that all of our players are absolutely shattered. Yeah. Um okay. And you know who can blame them when they played the amount of football they have so quickly after so quickly after not playing football for three months? Yeah, exactly. Um We just look like we cannot wait for the season to end. Yeah, I, I can't wait for the season <laughs> to end. Yeah, I so. think
0: uh, you know. I think you know it's coming to a close, coming to a close soon, and I think all of us can agree it it can't get here fast enough. But Matthew, thank you for joining me on this therapy session through Everton's terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible games. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully we don't have to talk about this next week or uh, will we be doing one we're we going to do the same thing I think we'll do
1: the same thing yeah, let's, uh, Wait, will the, the Villa game and then we'll do the Sheffield United game and then yeah. we'll do the two of them together
0: yep yep so we'll uh, we'll, uh, we'll go through those two hopefully it's not as bad as as the past two uh, Matthew I'll talk to you then everybody else we'll talk to you then uh, stay safe stay healthy have a good one